This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. Huggies Little Movers is their best-fitting diaper ever with its curved and stretchy fit. Babies, no matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers are curved with up to 12-hour protection against leaks. Get your baby butt in Huggies best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Hey there. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Dr. Gundry Podcast the weekly podcast where I give you the tools you need to support your gut, boost your health, and live your youngest, healthiest life. Before we get started, let's get to this week's review of the week. Uh, Erm from Hawaii writes, I see that psyllium is on the yes list of the plant paradox diet. Does that mean the husk is safe to eat? Thanks. Yeah, I've reviewed this. Believe it or not, there are a number of plant seeds that have no lectins. And those are plant seeds that by design are indigestible in our intestines. And the whole idea is that you'll eat those plant seeds and poop them out someplace else with a dollop of fertilizer. So things like sesame seeds are perfectly safe. Things like flax seeds and psyllium seeds are perfectly safe. On the other hand, there are a number of seeds on the no list that unfortunately do have lectins and are designed to protect themselves. So just consult the list. And if there's any question, just write me and we'll try to get an answer for you. Okay, good question. If you'd like me to read your review, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. If you're listening on your mobile device, take a screenshot, share your favorite takeaway, and add a tag me in your Insta stories. I'll make sure to reshare them in mine. Welcome to the Dr. Gundry Podcast. My guest today has spent the last two decades challenging conventional medical wisdom, and he's actually been crusading for a more natural approach to human health. He's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, The No-Grain Diet and the Great Bird Flu Hoax, and his brand new book, called Keto Fast, Rejuvenate Your Health with a Step-by-Step Guide to Timing Your Ketogenic Meals. Of course, I'm referring to none other than Dr. Joseph Mercola. Dr. Mercola, it's so great to finally have you on my podcast. Yes, well, thank you for inviting me. It's a great privilege, and I really appreciate the honor. Just one like, slight, not really correction, but a modification, I think, is that the best book I've written wasn't mentioned, which is Fat for Fuel, it was really my previous one, but it what didn't make the New York Times bestseller, but it was the number one book sold in America by Nielsen ratings, Wall Street Journal and USA Today. But you know, you New York Times got their little algorithm. <laughs> we sold too many books on Amazon. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I, I agree that that was absolutely your best book. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I've admired about you through the years is your willingness, number one, to adapt your program or change your views based on the most current information out there and also on your personal experiences. And I've 
I've lauded you on this when you've had me on your podcast. You're, you know, you're willing to try something out and really do a deep dive in it. And you're not afraid to say, oops, uh, maybe that wasn't such a good idea, or here's what I learned from this experience. And I think, as you and I both know, there's so many people that have not changed their view in the last 20 years, despite obviously plenty of new information that should allow us to evolve things. Have you been like that all your life? Did you start out this way? I think so. I, I'm really a perpetual student, I, I re, and I really think most of us should be because there's so much to learn. You couldn't learn it in multiple lifetimes and just in one isolated area, let alone the whole breadth of human knowledge. So, yeah, I think we're perpetual students, and to think otherwise is really, uh, quite frankly, intellectually arrogant. So so what, what started you down this path towards the keto diet and intermittent fasting? What, what piqued your interest? Well, let me give you an example of how I changed my views. When uh, many years ago, I thought it was foolish, and that's being kind for people who were fasting. I thought clearly the evidence is obvious that you need to eat all the time. And in fact, 90% of the population, according to Sachin Panda, eats more than 12 hours a day. More than 12 hours a day. I know that's not you. I know you have a one to two hour window frequently. But... Uh, so, you know, that most all of us are doing the same thing, believing the same. And I changed that. And I recognized that, especially as keto started coming on board and experimenting with it. And Mark Sisson taught me about metabolic flexibility. I tried it for myself and was just amazed at what it did. Then I startly started to finally appreciate some of the subtle molecular bio biological components, which we'll talk about further today, like autophagy and stem cell activation. So and this cycling, which is so important. And, you know, and there's, there's a, I'll, I'll share more of how I change my views as we go on, but it's, you've got to learn and adapt and, and really uh, modify things as you acquire new information. So, you know, your, your latest book, Keto Fast, um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of books out there on the keto diet. Uh, that's yes. the new buzz thing. So, you know, and I've read your book and I thought, you know, it's fabulous. Folks listening and, and watching uh, gave you a nice blurb that's on your back cover. Uh, so uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir, but I want you to mm -hmm. preach to our listeners and our viewers. Sure. What what new approaches are you taking in the book, which I think are just great? Yeah, well, uh, thank you. It's uh, so the, the the basic strategy is to become first become metabolically flexible, which I discussed in my previous book, Fat for Fuel. That is the primary issue where and you do that with a simple step that doesn't cost anything, saves you money and radically improves your health. What is that? Compress your eating window. When I give a lecture, I feel I succeeded if I can get that one single message to the audience, compress your eating window. And you're a big fan of that and you have been actually much, much before I, I understood that fact. So six, I, you know, so what's a compressed eating window? You know, 12 hours, which 90% of people aren't doing is not enough. I think I, 14 hours probably starts to get the benefit. And I think a sweet spot is 16 to 18. I think most of us don't have to go to your level. And, uh, you know, I think probably I, remember 16, I only do that six months out of the year. So, yeah. What was that? Two hours. And what's the, what's the, then, then you go to four hours. Yeah. Well, so in the rest of the year, I, I go to about 16 hours. Yeah. 
Okay, sixteen dollars. That's fine. Then that's not a big deal. I'm glad because you know to, to do that long term, I think you're going to run into some complications because really one of the basic tenets of the book is to is to go into these cycles which we were designed to because the human species was never designed to have access to food 24/7. Just that that wasn't the case. So we have to replicate that pattern if we want to maximize our biological benefits and what our what our genetics are designed for. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. As you know, uh, my new book, The Longevity Paradox, also stresses exactly what you're saying. We should be eating in circadian rhythms. And uh, yes. there, there is just utmost evidence, even in looking at modern hunter-gatherers, that there is cyclically feeding periods and there are extended periods of time where we do not eat or we eat very minimally. And so you, it's this cycle that you so eloquently talk about in Keto Fast is, is really important. So give me an example. What, is, what does that mean for the average person? How, how do you in Keto Fast structure this? Well, after I wrote Fat for Fuel, I was very excited and was pretty firmly convinced, this is an example of me changing my views, that the strongest, the most powerful metabolic intervention I've ever seen in nearly four decades of clinical practice was multiple day water fasting. I mean, it's profound benefits. We could talk a bit about that if you haven't discussed that previously. But uh, so I decided to write a book, which was Keto Fast. And as I started to research the book and discuss it, discuss and network with some of the experts in the field, I realized that that was an incorrect observation. It is a powerful uh, intervention. There's no question. It's been done for thousands of years. It's an integral part of virtually every major religion on the planet. And it wouldn't persist for so long if there wasn't some value to it. Clearly, there's value. But what I learned is that it was useful historically, but we've evolved into the 21st century. And not, not as a species, but more our technology. And as a result of the technology, we've accumulated not thousands, but tens of thousands of these chemicals, industrial chemicals that we're all exposed to. It's virtually impossible not to be. I mean, it is. Virtually everyone watching this is. I mean, you'd have to be in a remote, rural, isolated part of the planet. when it, but, And that's, you know, no one watching this. So anyway, the, most of these chemicals are fat-soluble and they get stored. They, don't, they typically aren't immediately metabolized. They're stored for safety in your fat cells. Right. And when you do multi-day multi water fasting, you're using your fat for energy, and then these fat-soluble these fat toxins are released, go into your bloodstream, and they cause side effects for a number of reasons. One, because they're toxic, but primarily because the people don't have ramped up enough detoxification to address that. So uh, I thought that was a massive flaw, and I developed strategies to accommodate for this and essentially develop the 21st century fasting, which has multiple other benefits, side effects and benefits I can discuss. Yeah, I think that's so important. Uh, actually, when I wrote my first book years ago, I was very impressed with uh, Dr. Ray Wolford's observations in Biosphere 2, where sure. those folks, uh, he was a pathologist at UCLA, as you know, and he actually looked at the Biospherians' uh, heavy metals in their blood when they lost literally 35% of their body weight in the first six months, because they were literally starving to death. 
Yes. Uh, and, and he was really excited about it, actually. But when he looked, <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was a wonderful thing. But when he looked at their heavy metals and their toxins, they, they went massively high. And it actually took them a year to return down to normal. And I, I write about that in the longevity paradox as well. And I think your observation and Dr. Wolford's and certainly mine, that we've got to be very careful with everybody going on these uh, six, seven day water fasts uh, because we do not have a system to handle these heavy metals. And again, Dr. Wolford proved this you know, 20 years ago. And yeah. so I think if, if we take nothing away from, uh, else from keto fast, I think your observation that, you know, wow, I was really into water fasting and now wait a minute, let's put the brakes on here because we now have some data that we ought to be cautious about this. Yeah, and we also see this in the animal world. Uh, there are uh, sea, sea otters or some types of sea life that regularly fast just as a part of their natural ecology. And they've done observational studies this, and they do assays of the fat-soluble toxins in their system and heavy metals, and they go through the roof when they're not eating. It's the same darn process. You know, it's, it's, it's intrinsic to all uh, animal life, I believe. So knowing that now, how in the keto fast do you want people to kind of construct this uh, give and take, this circadian rhythm? Well, yeah, I can go into the details of that in a moment, but before we get there, I think it's important to recognize why we would even want to do that. You're not going to be motivated to some, follow some wacky plan that I happen to come up with unless you have a really darn good reason to consider doing it. And let me provide you with some of those. Okay. Yeah. One of the reasons I'm so, I'm so excited about water fasting was because it activates this metabolic process called autophagy, which comes from the Greek words uh, auto and phagin. It essentially means self-eating. And it's a, it's a, to me, one of the most valuable benefits of uh, fasting and uh, you're able to, what that process does, uh, and there's several types, microsophagy, chaperone mediated autophagy, and macro autophagy, which is mostly what we're concerned about, but essentially it targets these subcellular structures, uh, like damaged proteins or mitochondria, and it targets them and they get a, the like lysosomes attached to them and it really self-destructs it. breaks it down to its constituent parts so you can recycle them and reuse them rather than hanging around like for in most people, wrecking up your system and actually creating inflammatory cytokines and causing increased silent inflammation throughout your body, which is a massive prescription for, for metabolic disaster. So activating autophagy is really important. And you, you're, you certainly are familiar with NAD plus as you know, one of the most important coenzymes in your body. And then it's cousin NADPH which is so important for recharging your you know, intracellular antioxidants like glutathione and all the rest of them, vitamin C, vitamin E. But those actually increase, get this, when you fast, 30%, 30%, it's crazy. There's nothing you have to do. You don't have to take nicotinamide riboside or take NAD, NAD plus IVs. You just increase it when you fast. How good is that? And these, some of these interventions are really expensive. NAD is not cheap. So that's a huge benefit. And then um, the other side is what, you, what is really, to me, equally as important as autophagy, but you have to understand how to cycle these in, is the magic occurs from fasting, not so much when you're not eating. It's just like exercise. The magic 
from exercise doesn't occur when you're working out. That's when you cause the damage, right? right? And you get some, so it's somewhat similar to causing damage when you're fasting. The magic occurs when you refeed, when you read, and you give your body all this nutrition so they can rebuild your cells. You know, you're building your cells over again the way they were designed to be from the original template. So it's the combination of those and cycling them in in the right fashion that's so profoundly powerful to improve your health. So uh, for, for those of us who, who are listening, who you know, don't quite get autophagy, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like taking out the trash. Uh, yes. We're now beginning to realize that trash builds up in our cells. And we've got a lot of cells that aren't pulling their own weight. And there's even a new term that people like about zombie cells, uh, senescent cells. Senescent cells. That's a whole different story, which, which actually fasting doesn't really address. Right. But that's a, that's, a, that's a future book I'm writing. Yeah, good. So fasting actually, literally, as I describe it in, in, in the longevity paradox, it, it basically tells certain cells, you guys aren't pulling your own weight and you need to commit suicide and basically, you know, die but recycle those parts rather than blowing up like apoptosis uh, autophagy is recycling or taking out the trash is that a, is that a good way to describe well, that from my, from my understanding autophagy refers to the subcellular organelles not the right. whole cell the whole right. cell would be apoptosis yeah so it's a different mechanism very Clean. similar same process but it's a different different pathways pathways right. and yeah. so one of the things that's interesting about communities, super long-lived people, is they, they have actually these mechanisms almost built into their lifestyle. And uh, so what are, what are some of the mistakes? People know this, they hear this, okay, I need to have timed restricted fasting or I need to do intermittent fasting. And I've actually watched podcasts where people argue that Intermittent fasting is totally different than time-restricted fasting. Help us out. You're one of the world's experts on this. Well, I'm, still, I'm not sure I understand the question. So, so I've actually heard people, and I won't mention their names, yeah. saying yeah. people shouldn't intermittent fast. They should time-restrict fast. Okay, there's no difference. It's just it's a semantics. They're the same darn thing. Uh, it's time-restricted eating. Uh, would be the way we, I, as I understand it, the researchers described for humans, time-restricted feeding is more for animals. So it's time-restricted eating is just the window. It's in, in, another term is intermittent fasting. They're essentially the same term. Uh, and, uh, but intermittent fasting technically could be considered a water range. It could be alternate day fasting, right. like Krista Veridin or Christine, Christine Veriday. She out of the University of Illinois, actually not too far from where I used to have her office, and I interviewed her personally in my office about four or five years ago. I didn't realize how powerful her intervention was, and it was partly through her work, alternate day fasting, which is essentially 500 calories one day and then your normal food the next day. She was totally oblivious, absolutely clueless as to the quality of the food, but her strategy was exemplary. And she's a really good researcher, too. She just didn't understand the details like about health like we do. And then... There is a fasting mimicking diet by Walter Longo who's in your neck of the woods. I yep. think he's yep. out of, uh, where is, he's not at Salk. He's at UC, USC. Yeah. USC, yeah. Yep. yeah. And, uh, and he's probably the most prolific researcher in this area. Uh, so the problem 
the reason he did not recommend water, multi-day water fasting was because of compliance. And, you know, when I first heard that, I said, well, you know, you, with your thick Italian accents, how could you convince anyone to be compliant to a water fast diet? <laughs> but, but, but then I realized he was right. You know, this, I mean, you probably get less than 1% of the people, people to do that. They're just not going to do it. And even if they're life dependent on it, they're not going to do it. They're just, they just won't. So compliance is a big issue, but here's, here's the other benefit of doing this keto fasting, which is a partial fast. And I'll explain in great detail what that consists of. But essentially you can do it because it's so easy to do. You can do it twice a week, which means you can do it a hundred, more than a hundred times a year and get all the magnificent, excuse me, the magnificent benefits I described earlier. And I'm sure that you describe in your book a hundred times a year rather than doing it, you know, you know, in five, 10, 15 times a year. So collectively, you're just radically improving the metabolic benefits by this type of intervention and strategy. And in addition, when you do only a partial fast, which is essentially a two-day fast, it's a little bit less than a two-day fast instead of a five-day fast or a fasting mimicking diet, which in Walter Longo's case is 1,000 calories the first day and 750 the last the next four, is still not enough, but you're still a pretty beat up up by the fifth day and it's really hard to get get into the the, the the scoop of things because another benefit that I did not mention earlier of fasting and I'm sh- I don't see it on your hand I was looking but I don't see your aura ring did you take you're not wearing it now or oh it's there okay I, I, I'm using I have to use a backup computer and my monitor resolution is pretty poor so it was hard to see your, your finger but the yeah so there you go so you would know this and you've done the fasting and I'm sure you can confirm that on the day you are fasting, your recovery rate of recovery index, as Aura turns it, goes through the roof. Typically it goes up 10 or 20 points, which means that the next day after you've done your fast, you are just energized, you're ready to kill it, and you can do an unbelievable workout and really um, challenge your body and activate these the switches to turn on muscle growth, something that we call anabolism, which you don't want to do when you're fasting. And the cool thing is, is that when you are fasting, your growth hormone goes up by 300%. Now, you might say, well, growth hormone increases IGF-1. Doesn't that suppress autophagy? And normally it does, but when you're fasting, the, the receptors in the liver become relatively resistant, so your growth hormone can be high and your IGF-1 is still low. So what does that mean when you have high growth hormone? It means when you work out and you have high growth hormone, my gosh, it's like taking steroid shots. So you get this all this benefit. So you, it gives you the opportunity to really uh, add an exercise program on top of the autophagy because you want to exercise when you're fasting. And then right after you're fasting, you feast. You have loads of branched chain amino acids, loads of healthy carbohydrates, and you're just you're just you're, at the, you're just having a party. <laughs> it's great. So, in other words, this is not all about deprivation. A lot of times. Oh when- heck no, heck no. And the beautiful thing about it, because and you know this, once you're fasting, the other side benefit, in addition to the mental clarity, is that the hunger disappears. Right. So. Someone like you, it's like you're not even doing it because you you normally if you're eating one meal, that's it. You just lower the calorie rate. Right. So and then then basically you eat your next meal and you're off to the races. So it's it's you don't even think about it once you once you have that restricted t- window of six to eight hours, uh, it becomes as easy as can be. 
You know, it's interesting. Uh, my my research in, in, in Yale was on evolutionary human biology. And one of the interesting things is, and this has been confirmed, and you know, that actually when you are fasting, when you're literally starving, your performance actually increases. And the reason, evolutionary-wise, if if we were starving, we had to catch that animal. And if we didn't catch that animal, that, you know, that was curtains. Yeah, that was it. And so it's fascinating that, you know, we have a built-in evolutionary advantage to perform well while fasting. It makes incredible sense uh, just to bring it down to what people can understand. And then, of course, when we caught that animal or we found the fruit tree or the honey tree, you know, we didn't sit there, oh, I'm only going to eat a little bit. Uh, <laughs> really? <Yes. laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's it exactly, you know, and, and it gives you this opportunity for really significant muscle gain because when you get to be our age and even older, you know, sarcopenia or the lo loss of muscle fiber becomes a real serious issue. And that's why the recommendations for protein intake actually increase as you get older just to compensate for this loss of muscle mass. And so you have to be really diligent and focused and concentrated on strategies that can help prevent that from being a real issue for you. If you're listening to this podcast through your favorite podcast app, I've got some great news. You can also watch every episode of this podcast, plus hundreds more special videos on my YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com slash Dr. Gundry and be sure to click the subscribe button. Okay, let's take the average American. Um, what are the risks associated with taking up intermittent fasting? What if someone has insulin resistance? What if they don't have metabolic flexibility? Well, virtually no one has insulin resistance. <laughs> Well, that's controversial. I love it. Okay. Well, only 80% of the population, right? That's right. If you just go to Kraft's book uh, and use the oral glucose challenge test and you measure sequential insulin levels afterwards, 80%. That's almost everyone. Yeah. So it's the rare person who doesn't have a problem. So they are metabolically inflexible, insulin resistant. Right. Uh, and, and essentially all of those people, that's four-fifths of the population, are not activating autophagy. You cannot activate autophagy when you're insulin resistant. It's just like, you can't, it just doesn't work metabolically. So the people who can't, virtually from my perspective, you might have a little wider intermittent fasting window, but I mean, you could potentially make a cause for it in pregnant women, or certainly people with eating disorders, but probably if you're careful, you can get away with it. It's the partial fasting, the complete restriction of the calories, the 300, 400 calories, where, where if you're underweight, you have an eating disorder, or you're pregnant or breastfeeding, probably not a good idea, especially breastfeeding because that's an anabolic, muscle-building, tissue-building state, and the last thing you wanna do is impair that by fasting. Right. And what about, what about folks who are going to get the, the Adkins flu or the low-carb flu or the keto flu? Um, any tricks to get them through that? Well, that keto flu, so-called, is typically a result of uh, so, so, sodium depletion or electrolyte depletion, and it can easily be compensated for with uh, salt. And it's not too much of an issue because in the keto fast, and we can start to go into how I do it or recommend it, is that I don't recommend anyone do it until you are first metabolically flexible. And what does that mean? It means that you can restrict your eating window to six or eight hours, only 
time you're eating, no butter in your coffee or anything outside that window. The only calories you have are in that six, eight hour window and you can do that for one month straight. And most everyone will be metabolically flexible by the end of that period, but there are some who may not. If they're really seriously metabolically damaged or two, 300 pounds overweight, then you're gonna need you know, a longer period. But most people, that's all you need. And how do you know? You, you'll know because you're making ketones and it's real easy to measure. You can do them in your breath and your urine. Blood, best one is the blood. The blood test I like is the Keto Mojo, which because it's, it's the least expensive, it's only a dollar a strip instead of $4 a strip. So that's how you can objectively test it. And you don't really need to go there if you're not, unless you're massively overweight because most likely you're going to be metabolically flexible and then you could participate. So then I think there's virtually no contraindications other than the ones I previously listed. Okay. All right. I want to touch on something that you uh, and I both agree on and the, the food safety, particularly the dangerous biocides, the pesticides, oh. and you're in my favorite glyphosate uh, roundup. Any thoughts on the recent study, probably didn't surprise you, that 35 oat, oat products in this country have glyphosate yeah. in them? No, we, we wrote that too. And that's not because uh, oats are genetically modified. It's because for most grains, they use them as a desiccant to dry them. That's prior exactly to right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not surprising. And, and, it, and it, I don't know if that's true even for organic oats. I know we wrote an article, but I don't remember what the details of that were. So, I, I mean, not a, my, my first best-selling book was The No Grain Diet. That was in 2004. Uh, and I didn't make up that headline though. The publisher did, and I regretted it initially, but then I think it's a really good idea. Probably grains would be a problem for most people. Uh, you know, especially gluten grains and, you know, because, and you, as you mentioned, uh, the lectins. Yeah. So the lectins are massively important. And I really am so grateful for you to helping me more deeply appreciate that and broaden my understanding of human physiology, especially in autoimmune diseases. Well, thanks. Thanks. So, as you know, uh, my book, The Longevity Paradox, is out uh, when this is airing. So I, I like to ask all my guests, guests uh, about one best practice for achieving longevity. If you were going to do one thing, what's your trick? Uh, I can share this with you offline, but there, I have a super RSS feed for PubMed. I, I, I'm going through reading t about 2,000 studies a year now, the full study, not just the abstract. And, and the 80 keywords that I'm looking at are all for longevity and, and sub-variants of it. So this is an area I'm beyond passionate about. So, I'm, 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 so I want to give you a good answer. But I think that the, the ultimate answer is just to do the fundamental basics. Because right now, the best we can do to hope to do is live to 120 in pretty good shape. Because yeah. that's that's exactly where we're, we're no one's living beyond that now with our current technology. So and I think if just do the basics and I really so I wrote fat for fuel, get metabolically flexible, I'm rooting keto fasting, do the partial fat fasting, get the benefits of autophagy, get the rejuvenation benefits. Active. The other thing is it does activate your stem cells so that when you're rebuilding and getting the, all the extra carbs and the good branch chain amino acids, and you've exercised, those stem cells are activated and they go to rebuild the tissues that exactly what you need to do. So you get that thing going. Thirdly, you've got to stay away from EMF. These are sort of the primal three ones that, you know, because the, 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 almost everyone, 
almost everyone doesn't understand the importance. And I'm really spending lots of time in writing this new book, and hopefully it'll be out either late this year or early next year. It's, I'm almost finished writing it and helping people understand why it actually has to, it goes back to NAD, which is the fundamental core of why ZMF exposure is so such an issue, and NAD is required as a substrate for PARP, poly-ADP ribose polymerase, to repair the DNA damage. It lays down the matrix for uh, the DNA enzymes, to repair enzymes to come in and work. And every time, every time you have a single-stranded break, it sucks out two, two or three NAD plus molecules. And you do that for a while, and you just NAD levels go down into the toilet. And you just can't, you, this NAD to NADH ratio, the NADPH goes crazy, and you just suffer premature aging. So don't put this next to your bed. Well, my phone is actually quite close to my, my, my bed, uh, maybe two feet away. But it's in airplane mode, and it's in a Faraday bag. So, because I mean, emergencies happen. Thank right. God we have this technology. You know, if I have to call someone, so I have someone breaking in, I've got to talk to the police or something, I need that phone. But I do, you certainly don't need it on. And the, the real challenge is that we have so many teenagers. I think it's, it's crazy. I, th I forget the specific numbers, but it's like 70% of the 6 to 17-year-olds are going to bed with their phone. Yeah. yeah. It's just insane. It's, it, you know, because they don't understand the damage they're doing. And just you know, cell phones, cell phones, the one you just held up, they, there is no doubt in my mind. I have two whole chapters of this in my new book that's coming out are indeed the cigarettes of the 21st century. People just don't see it yet. There's no question, and I go through all the analogies, the PR agencies, Hills and Knowlton, that the tobacco industry used, and how they were able to scam and confuse the pup for 30 years, after, actually probably for 50 years after the science was known that it caused this. Even after the Surgeon General issued a report, and believe me, the situation is far worse with telecommunications in the wireless industry, because they have, they have totally, uh, corrupted the federal regulatory agencies. So anyway, it's on a tangent, but you know, so, you know, EMF, EMF's a big issue. You've got to understand it, you have to act on it. And if you don't, you can do, you can have the best strategy, you can take the best polyphenols in the world, you can do st stem cell transplants. It doesn't matter, you're dying prematurely because of this toxic exposure that virtually no one understands. It's like cigarettes in the 30s. Well, I, from now on, I am not going to smoke my cell phone anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. That's a good, good strategy. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I told you before we started that uh, we have an audience question. Yes. And yes, this, yes. This, is, this is a good one. So Dominique asks, I've been hearing all about the all-meat diet, the carnivore diet, folks, being better than a vegetarian diet and being better than eating any plant source foods at all. I've been a vegetarian for many years, but now I'm wondering if I should go all meat. Dr. Mercola, what say you? Well, I uh, just had the uh, opportunity to review this uh, and it actually changed my views on this because a carnivore diet is really similar to your plant paradox diet in many ways. And the primary uh, uh, factor is that they both don't have lectins. That's exactly it's right. Le lectin free. So, you know, when, when we know from your work that the lectins stimulate autoimmune disease, so just removing those lectins is going to be a big deal. Yep. Now, I think the way carnivore diets are traditionally uh, used or utilized is incorrect 
people are just eating ribeye steaks and all this meat all day long. They're eating the muscle meat. And I think that is a serious mistake for a number of reasons which I'll go into detail. I think you can it's probably okay if you eat from tail to from toe to tail or mm-hmm. nose to tail. Nose so to you're tail, I mean, yeah. yeah, the connective tissue, the you know, the collagen, and you're eating the organs. Now, meat is is a or animal animal food or proteins are an incredibly nutrient-dense food. I mean, you get your micronutrients. A lot of the plants don't have the micronutrients. They have the macronutrients, but they don't have the micronutrients. So it's it's really good from that perspective, but you've got to eat the whole animal if you're gonna do it well. And then I have some concerns. I'm gonna actually interview uh, an expert in this. Uh, found, uh, he's a physician who is advocating the carnivore diet and he's really understands the molecular biology at a deep level. I'm looking forward to dialoguing with him. but. One of the concerns, uh, the reasons that people like Dominic, is it Dominique? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, and many others like Dominique choose to be a vegetarian or even a vegan is because we, you know, there's a lot of studies that suggest there's benefits. And one of the primary justifications is that they have low levels of methionine, which is an amino acid, and, and meat tends to be high in that. Well, it turns out that may only be an artifact of, of the, the, the strategy of not eating the whole animal. Because when you are eating muscle meat, you're getting loads of methionine. But when you have the connective tissue and the collagen, you're getting high levels of glyce, not only glycine, uh, but proline, hydroxyproline. And that glycine balances out the, the, the methionine. methionine. Correct. Yeah, so that glycine to methionine ratio appears to be very crucial. And when you look at it really carefully, the, the people who do that don't have the same problems that people with high methionine levels typically do. So that's one issue. But the issues I'm concerned about, and it gets back to the cycling. You know, the cycling is so important. Eating the food and then resting and recovering and in doing that regularly, the cycles. Because the mistake I made when I did the ketogenic diet was to do it continuously. And I do not, do not, do not recommend it unless you're doing it initially for a few months and you've got some ground to catch up on, then it's fine. But you do it long term, you're you're going to be a disaster. So you have to cycle in and out. And the problem with the potential problem with the carnivore diet is if you're not cycling, you're going to run into problems. It's the same issue, even though it's a really healthy food. And of course, you've got to have clean meat. Yeah. I mean, you just can't eat. I mean, not 95% of the meat up there is is going to make things worse because it's loaded with toxins, absolutely loaded. So you have to be really careful in choosing it. So and it can be pretty costly because you have to have clean organic sources. So that's our and grass fed and, you know, read the labels. And then so that's one. And then the other thing is it's pretty high in branch chain amino acids so that you're going to stimulate mTOR. So I would, you know, I think you could do it, especially if you integrate it with the keto fasting, because then you're cycling in and out, in and out. So I think it's it's a wise strategy. I'm actually even going to recommend it to my girlfriend who um, has some struggles herself. And uh, I'm going to see if she's open to it because I think it might make a difference. Uh, But but. Integrating those components I mentioned with the cycling in and out, having healthy foods, and eating the whole animal. Yeah, I think I think that's a great observation, and I'll, I'll put in my two cents here. I am starting with the last. I think long term, this is going to stimulate mTOR, and I'm really afraid of the long term effect of this. But I think your point is really good in that these sorts of diets basically eliminate lectins. And if you look at all the diets that have worked for, for instance, weight loss and have caught on, whether it's the Atkins, the South Beach, the the drinking man's diet that I talk about in the book from Robert Cameron, these are all basically lectin elimination diets, the paleo diet, the keto diet, 
were all lectin eliminate, elimination diets, and I think that's why they worked. So, yeah. uh, all right, that is, our time is up. I'm getting the wave. So it's always, yeah, it's always great to see and talk to you. Uh, you're really one of the most stimulating people out there, and I congratulate you on, on your curiosity and your willingness to keep questioning both your belief system and others. So we'll have you on again, I hope, and I hope I can come back on yours, and I can't wait to see your uh, EMF book. All right, sounds good. All right, so that's it for the Dr. Gundry podcast. Thanks for joining me. The Longevity Paradox is out, and it's out because, as you know, I'm Dr. Gundry, and I'm always looking out for you. See you next week. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Dr. Gundry podcast. Before you go, I just wanted to remind you that you can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to watch each episode of the Dr. Gundry podcast, you can always find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Dr. Gundry. Because I'm Dr. Gundry, and I'm always looking out for you. Pistachios, they are one of my go-to nuts on my Yes Food list in all my best-selling books. Crack into a good source of plant protein with tasty, healthy, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. In fact, it's one of the highest protein nuts out there. I love that wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes and flavors, the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. So, whether you're dropping off the kiddos, on a long hike, or running between meetings, fuel up with a healthy and tasty food that loves you back. Wonderful Pistachios will be your new go-to snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day.